Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. In Jesus' name, praise God. Praise God. So glad you're here tonight. The book of Esther chapter 9. Esther chapter 9. Tremendous weekend with our evangelist, Brother Gore. Weren't we blessed by the ministry of Brother Gore? Amen. Hopefully we'll be able to get him back the first part of next year. We pray that's going to happen. And I believe this, this revival that we've had is overflowing not only in our church, but of course tonight with our young people. I believe there's going to be a great touch of God there. Amen. And so tonight I will end the series uh, that... I started, this is, I've already done two of the three-part series about Esther's progression of faith. On the first night, I talked about gathering from the season that you are in. And in every season of life, the Bible says to everything there is what? A season. To everything. Everybody. Look at your neighbor and say, you're in a season. And then it's going to start snowing. I mean, no, it's going to start snowing, but that's not the season I'm talking about. All of us are in a season. And uh, I, I say this just because, as an example, Sister Wendy Gators, you're in a different season of life. And the, the loss of your mother. Um, uh, Brother Nehemiah, you're in a different season. The loss of, of mother-in-law, your mother, your father, your brother. Uh, it's a different season. But somehow... You can gather out of that season. Something you can't gather out of the season when the babies are being born. That's a different season. And, and what I'm saying to you is that even in loss that we all are going to deal with because this is life. Uh, there's people that can't be here tonight because they're sick. Um, and just there's things that happen to good people. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. But you've got to learn to gather out of the season that you're in. And somehow, if we will focus on the positive and realize that all things work together for the good, that there is something I can gather out of this season that's going to give me strength tomorrow. There are seasons of life. And I can grow if I will gather out of that season. Praise God. Lay your Bibles down before we before we read and I want you to lift your hands and I want you to ask God to help you gather out of the season that you're in. Lord, I pray today that we'll have such wisdom in different stages of life and seasons of life that because there's change doesn't mean there's defeat. Because there's difference doesn't mean it's, it can't be better. I pray tonight that God you'd help us glean out of the season that we're in. I pray, oh God, that you'd help us individually to grow. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name. Uh, Esther chapter 9, reading with verse 11. Esther chapter 9, verse 11. I, I want to say before, uh, one more thing before I read the text. I, I just thank the Anchor Church, you saints, and I'm, I'm not talking about the building, I'm talking about the people. I think you're, you are outstanding. Amazing. Your faithfulness, your consistency, 
the way you love, the way you love people is just outstanding. Uh, Sunday morning, coming in, uh, an evangelist, very powerful, young, but first time here, sometimes as, as a young man, I started evangelizing when I was 17. And then I'd go in places and, and somebody would be sitting there with the glasses on the end of their nose looking at me. What's he going to tell us? He's still wet behind the ears. You know. Then they come and say, oh, one of these days you're going to make a good preacher. I think they meant well. Uh, and, our, and our preacher that was with us is not too young. I mean, he's 28. But, but he came in the first time with us and y'all just preached with him. And uh, God used him mightily in this church. And I want to say thank you for being faithful to revivals. Thank you for being faithful to church. Thank you for being faithful Sunday night and coming in and ministering because you are a blessing to one another. Amen. You're a blessing. And I'm just telling you, you're a blessing to me. On a Wednesday night, you're faithful and consistent. And uh, I thank God for you. With that being said, let's move on. Esther chapter 9, verse 11. On that day, the number of those that were slain in Shushan the palace was brought before the king. And the king said unto Esther the queen, The Jews have slain and destroyed 500 men in Shushan the palace and the ten sons of Haman. What have they done in the rest of the king's provinces? Now what is thy petition? And it shall be granted thee. Or what is thy request further? And it shall be done. And then, then said Esther, If it please the king, let it be granted to the Jews, which are at Shushan, to do tomorrow also according to this day's decree, and let Haman's ten sons be hanged upon the gallows. Somehow this quiet, timid, meek, humble Esther became a warrior. She was meek as a lamb, but she became bold as a lion. In her progression of faith, she entered something that I'm going to talk about tonight, and it's called dominion. It's a place where God gives you the key. He gives you dominion over the things that's been against you, and you will walk out victoriously because God's going to back up whatever you ask Him to do. There's a place called dominion. How many want to walk in dominion with the Lord? Come on, how many want to make a request before God and He does it? Would you clap your hands and thank God? You may be seated. Esther! Esther! Esther, I, I know you don't want me to act this way, Esther, but there's a problem in the kingdom. Esther, you've got to read it. It's signed by the king's signet. Haman has deceived the king. There is a law that's been, a decree that's in effect, and it's this. Every Jew in the world is going to be destroyed on this date in the month of Adar. You've got to do something. Oh, she responds to the king and she says to him, but she responds to Mordecai, excuse me, she responds to him, but Mordecai, I, I, I realize, but there's a law that whosoever is not called into the throne room of the king, there's a law that if he doesn't put the golden scepter out, that person's going to be killed. And if I go, what if he kills me? He said, Esther, you don't know who you are. Esther, you have favor with the king. <coughs> Esther, you need to go before the king. 
You are his bride and you're the only one that has his ear. Can I stop here today and tell you it's not good enough just to be saved. It's not good enough just to be called. It's not even good enough just to be chosen. There's more than just being saved. There is a king of kings that only we're the only ones that have his ear. We're the only ones that he's listening to. He's bending his ear toward the throne room. And I come to tell you, the throne room is nothing more than the altar in your life. There's an altar that is the throne room. The Bible tells us to come boldly before the throne of grace. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. The Bible tells us also, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. That's the King of Kings. And that's the Lord of Lords. That we can get into the secret place of God. And we can make our petition known to him. And he was telling Esther, you've got to go to the king. Oh, but what if I die? Esther, you don't realize who you are. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, if you only knew who you were. If you only knew who you were. You wouldn't come to church and just thank God for being saved. And just thank God you're not going to hell. And just thank God that you're not in eternal judgment. I've been there. You've been there. It was part of her progression of faith. It was part of her progression in her relationship as Esther, which is symbolic to the church, is that I'm just glad he's not killing me. I'm just glad I'm not dying. I'm just glad that I'm not going to hell. Can I tell you, there's a whole lot better life of Christianity of just not going to hell. It's what you can do. You are the royalty of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We are collaboratively, we are the bride of Christ and we can get his attention. And so I preached this to you two weeks ago. He could send us to hell. He's got the authority of the king to determine my eternity. There needs to be a fear of God that's resident in me. But I can't always just live in the fear that he might kill me. Why do you go to church? Because I don't want to go to hell. Why do you pray? Because I don't want him to strike me with lightning. Why do you pay your tithes? Because I don't want him to curse me. Yeah, I understand, I understand that there's a fear of God and this is the beginning of wisdom. But you can't live for the next 30 years for God in the fear that he just, he's just not killing you or cursing you. There's, there's a place in the progression of faith, boy, that, that, that you, you start changing, you start realizing something. It's called the call of God. And last, last week I talked about the call of God is that there's responsibility. It's my role to go before the king. And guess what she does? She goes before the king, and when she gets before the king, she's, she goes in something like this. She's, this is, I quote, she told Mordecai, if I perish, I, I'm going to go in, but if I perish, I perish. And she goes in trembling. Everybody take your hand and just can you shake with me just for a minute. She goes in trembling. She is scared. All right, you don't have to shake anymore. She goes in scared. She's trembling. She's nervous. Um, when she goes in there, because she knows he could. And when he, she walks in, he says, Esther. Oh, Esther. It's so good to see you. Now, it's not worded exactly like that in there, but it's pretty close to it. The Bible says she had favor with the king. 
And when, when he gets, when she gets in there, oh, Esther, it's, I, I realize I haven't called. It's, it's been a tough, it's been a tough week. I've had so many busy things going on, but oh, it's refreshing to see you. And you know what? I, I'm not sure why you're in here, but I just, he's, he's already extended the golden scepter and let her, let her come close. He extends that. Come here, come here. You know, I'm not sure why you come in, but, but I just want you to know half the kingdom belongs to you. Whatever you ask, half of the kingdom is, you can have it. Here she is. It's going to kill me. She doesn't understand how the king views her because there's a law. She doesn't understand because she's in a strange land. You know, when you're temporal and he's eternal, it's, it can be different to deal with spiritual or eternal things. Just the mindset of an eternal God, a big God, spiritual aspects. You, you know, she is from, from, she's a Jew, she's from Jerusalem, she's in Shushan, she's in, in Persia. It's a different place. But, but there's something in her that, that, that she wants to do right, but she, she just doesn't know confidently her relationship with the king. But guess what? It's about to change. Because when the king says to her, oh, Esther... It's so good to see you. Come here. Half the kingdom belongs to you. You know what she started doing? She started believing it. What happens is all of a sudden, I'm just not no longer praying, Lord, please don't send me to hell. Please don't curse me. You start realizing you have access. The Bible says we're heirs to the throne of grace. Whatsoever you ask in my name, I will do it. Whosoever calls in my name shall be delivered, shall be saved. That if you call on me, I'm right there. I'm as close as the mere mention of my name. All of a sudden you realize that he's not just somewhere with this authoritative role trying to kill you. No, he's opened his arms to everything he has. You've got access to everything that belongs to him. My, I feel a witness of the Spirit. The Bible says, seek earnestly the best gifts. And what happens is when you start realizing, I'm not just saved from hell. He's not just my savior, but I am now his bride. I've got access to things with God that nobody else has access to. And that he wants, the Bible says, it's the father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Let your neighbor say, it's the father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I've had people over here, well, I don't want to trouble God. I don't want to trouble God with my petty issues. Don't say that. Because he went to the cross for those issues. That's exactly right. Well, I just don't, I just don't think God, quit thinking for God. And quit thinking the way you used to think. Come in here with bondage mentality. Insecure mentality. Things from the past mentality. You can't think that way. You got to start thinking like the Bible says to think. You got to start becoming the Esther that God wants you to become. And realize I've got responsibility. I'm a representative of him. There are things that are dependent upon me. And that's what we call the call of God. God, God has, has put things in your spirit that concern you. Wake up in the middle of the night. You don't know why. He says something's troubling. You go find a place to pray. Why? Because I'm going to go talk to God about this thing that's concerning me. Family lost. City lost. Neighborhoods lost. A country may be lost. And you get a burden for that. And Mordecai says, you can't just sit here, Esther. You've got to go talk to him. Can I say tonight that the devil would love to destroy every single family in this building? 
He hates the thought that we can have a youth service and young people up here worshiping God. He would love to stop that. He would love to shut that down. He's got a plan to try to divide and try to attack and try to ruin your family, your children. He would love to do all kinds of things. But what Haman doesn't know, he doesn't know who's next to the king. He doesn't realize that Esther's a Jew. And what Esther doesn't realize is who she is yet. But when Esther realizes who she is, it's Haman's worst nightmare. She seems meek. She seems quiet. She seems timid. She seems almost not confident. But all of a sudden, revelation comes to the progression of faith. And it is this. Half the kingdom belongs to you. I'm not trying to kill you. I'm not against you. I'm not even thinking about sending you to hell. I just need you to realize what you have access to. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 28, he's opened unto you his good treasure. Feeling like you got to be poor the rest of your life. Feeling like you got to struggle the rest of your life. That you got to deal with emotional numbness the rest of your life. You got to be sad for the rest of your life. You got to be angry for the rest of your life. Listen, that's on that side. That's on that side of the blood. On this side of the blood, I've got access to everything that he is. I can get joy unspeakable and full of glory. Amen. It's the peace that passes all understanding. I've got access to God. I want you to say, I have access to God. The Bible says he became poor that we might be made rich. And I know when you think rich, you think money, but there's a whole lot more to life than money. Rich in joy, rich in peace, rich in kingdom, rich in mercy, rich in grace. How many feel like you are wealthy in the kingdom of God tonight? Come on, how many feel like you're wealthy in the grace and the mercy of God? She comes in and he says, half the kingdom is yours. He says, half the kingdom is yours, Esther. What would you like me to do? Um... I appreciate that, but would you come to dinner tomorrow? Smart woman. Would you come to dinner tomorrow? I'll be there. Oh, 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 oh. Would you bring Haman with you? Haman flaunts himself. And I realize I've been redundant a little bit, but that's how we learn through repetition. Would you bring Haman with you? She got something up her sleeve. In West Virginia, we say she got something in her crawl. She's up to something. Haman, Haman, Haman comes. He goes home and he tells his wife, do you know out of everybody in the kingdom, I'm the only one that's been invited to the queen's banquet. It's just going to be me. It's just going to be me, the king, and Esther. Oh, you can almost sense that his wife says, you know, you really are somebody. He walks out, and Mordecai is standing there. The old preacher, I call him, because I believe that's what he represents, the pastor in your life. He walks out, stand up, stand up, Mordecai. He walks out, and Mordecai won't bow like everybody else bows. He stands firm and resolute. You know what he says? He goes home. He, he goes from an invitation filled with pride to one person won't bow down to him because Haman represents the devil. He says, you know what we ought to do? He goes home and tells his wife, I'm going to, Mordecai wouldn't bow down to me again today 
That's the reason he wanted to kill all the Jews because one man wouldn't bow. Study it. One man wouldn't bow, Mordecai, and he wanted to destroy every Jew in the world. My goodness, the devil gets mad when one person says, I'm going to live for God. He can't enjoy one day when one person doesn't bow. Do you know that? Three Hebrew children wouldn't bow to the Nebuchadnezzar's God, and he's canceled the whole party over three young people. Tell me if there's not power in standing before the Lord. It irritates the devil when you stand for God. It bothers the devil when you go to church. It bothers the devil. Listen, I know I talk about young people a lot, but when you see young people up there with their hands and tears running down their face and they want to live for God, that's something for the church to rejoice about. Yes. Hallelujah. And so God, God is moving among us and here, here it is and he won't bow and, and, and uh, he, he goes home and tells his wife, he said, can you believe this? That Mordecai, I wouldn't bow. She said, well, why don't you build a gallows? Why don't you build it 50 cubits? 75 feet tall. You're mad when you build a, a hangman's noose 75 feet in the air. You're mad. Why not? Why so big? Angry. Frustrated. 75 feet going to hang Mordecai. And you know what? He's going to go see the king the next morning. He's going to ask him permission on that morning. The king cannot sleep all night. Knock at the door. Haman makes his entrance to ask the king if he can kill Mordecai. And before he can, the king, the king says, I couldn't sleep all night. I've been going through the records and I found this guy's name, Mordecai. And he doesn't know who Mordecai is yet. Uh, he didn't realize this is the guy that raised Esther yet. Not yet. And you got to wait on the timing of God for true revelation to come. And, and, and are y'all with me tonight? Now watch what happens. Everybody say progression of faith. Something's happening behind the scenes. And the king, the king says, I've, I found in, in the records, this guy, I've, I found something that needs to be done. And he said, what would you do to the guy that would be honored by the king in the kingdom? And the Bible says Haman immediately thought it was going to be himself. You know, the devil's always thinking about himself. Do you know he tried to exalt himself equal with God? Isn't that true? That's what Haman was doing. He wanted to be exalted. He wanted to be worshipped. He wanted to be elevated. He wanted to be equal. And so when the king said to him, what, what, what would you do to a man that you would exalt in the kingdom? The Bible says he thought it would be him. So he said, why don't you put the king's royal clothes on him? Put him on the king's horse and lead him through the kingdom and said, this is the one the king would honor. This is the man that the king would honor. Boy, he could just see himself, everybody plodding him, going down the street, bowing to him and looking at him. And he said, good, I want you to do that for Mordecai. Man, you talking about, you talking about when God turns the table. You see, hell will fight you so long, but then God's going to turn the table. God's going to turn it around. I want somebody to shout, it's about to turn around. He has to lead this horse with Mordecai, the man he has complained about, the man he has created a whole decree to destroy every Jew in the 127 provinces about. He is now honoring him. I don't know if y'all think that's funny, but that's hilarious to me. You're talking about in the devil's face, in Haman's face, and he's honoring. This is the one the king honors. You know what Mordecai was thinking sitting up there looking at this guy that's complaining about him all the time? You're messing with the wrong people. 
You're messing, you're messing with the wrong family. Come on, devil, if you can hear me tonight, you're messing with the wrong church. You're messing with the wrong people. You can say you're going to do whatever you're going to do, but God gets the last word. You can, you can write every law you want. You can threaten all you want, but God's going to get the last say-so in my marriage. God's going to get the last say-so in my family. God's going to get the last say-so in this end time. God's about to turn the table. God's about to turn the table. Somebody say, God's about to turn it around. The Bible says, and yet when he returned and then said, Zeresh, his wife, and all his friends and him, Talked about the gallows be built. But when he returned, she said to him, she said, this isn't going to turn out the way you thought it was going to turn out. And she prophesied. He, she and the friends prophesied to him that this, what you planned is going to turn against you. Only thing that comforted him that day was I get to go eat tonight with the king and the queen. Look at your neighbor and say, he didn't know what was about to happen. He shows up, gets his royal apparel on. He walks into the banquet and here's the shy, timid, meek bride. Sits down and eat and the king says to her, what is it that you want to request from me? And she said, for we are sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be slain and to perish. But if we had been sold for bondmen and bondwomen, I had held my tongue, although the enemy could not countervail the king's damage. Then the king Ahasuerus answered and said unto Esther the queen, Who is he and where is he that durst presume in his heart to do so? And Esther said, The adversary and the enemy is this wicked Haman, she didn't say, oh, she knew who she was. She knew she had more access in the kingdom than Haman had. She realized Haman had some authority, but she had more authority. Can I tell you right now, the devil does have some power. He does have some ways, but greater is he that is in you. I said, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I know he's the prince and power of the air, but you're the bride of Christ. I realize he's the enemy of the soul, but God said, if God be, the Bible says, if God be for you, then who can be against you? Don't you think this is going to fail? God's going to raise you up. God's going to raise you up. That's why the Bible says, rejoice not against me, all mine enemies. For if I fall, I shall arise. Could I say to you, you might have had failure in your life. But in your failure, if you would just turn to God, you might have been out of the church, but you're not out of his hand. Amen. I come to tell you, you, you might have been away from God, but God's not away from you. You might have walked out on him, but he hasn't walked out on you. He's still as close as the mere mention of his name. All you got to do is say Jesus, and he's going to respond to you no matter where you are. He's a powerful God. He's a loving God, and he's a merciful God. Somebody say amen. 
Would you lift your hands and praise Him all over this building? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, half the kingdom belongs to you. It's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Amen. I come to tell you there's still power in his blood. You can still plead the blood of the king. You can still call on the name of the king. Oh, I come to preach to you tonight. You need to know who you are. When you lift your voice, God listens to what you say. He listens to what you pray. But you've got to call on his name. <laughs> Esther, it's not good enough just to look good. It's not good enough just to have your holiness. It's not good enough just to wear the royal robe that the Bible says she put on. It's not good enough just to bask in the blessings. It's not good enough, listen to me tonight, it's not good enough just to live in the endearment and the blessings of being the bride of Christ. You've got more than you've ever had living for God. Happier than you've ever been. More joy, more peace. You've got blessings on top. You enjoy your finances better. You enjoy your, 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 your family better. You enjoy your sleep better. You enjoy daily living better because God opened up you to you, his good treasure. But don't forget, while you're basking in the presence of God, weeping and rejoicing and dancing and maybe even shouting, don't forget that there's a law that the enemy has placed against your family to destroy them. Don't forget there's a Haman that has made a law to take your family out and to destroy your people. That's what Mordecai was saying. I'm glad you're blessed. I'm glad you've got more than you've ever had. But you haven't come to the kingdom just to be happy. You haven't come to the kingdom just to have more peace. You haven't come to the kingdom just to have joy. You haven't come to the kingdom just to live better. Esther, you've got a responsibility. You've got to reverse the curse of the devil. You've got to turn this thing around from Haman. You've got to change what he's set to do. I know it's Wednesday, but I feel like preaching to you. You have the power to reverse the curse. You've got the power to shut hell down. You've got the power to do it. We've got the power to do it. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you've got the power to shut hell down. Let me, let me, let me, let me rush to the point. And so, progression of faith. She was chosen. She had a fear of the king. She realizes I've got to take on the call. I've got, to, I've got responsibility. I've got, to, I've got to go to the throne room of God. I've got to go to the throne room of the king. I, my pr progression, I realize half the kingdom belongs to me and there's some, things, there's some things that the church can only do. I've got to pray. I've got to go in there. I've got to make petition before God for my family. There is a law. There is a decree. There is an attack. There is a plan against my family. There is a plan against our people. How many believe it's true? Come on, right now. You can watch Hollywood. You can see the news. You can go all the way down trying to take out an entire generation. You're trying to wipe out Generation Z right now. Remove their mind. Making atheism a fad. Making immorality a fad. It's now if you're pure and you're a virgin, something's wrong with you. If you go to church, something's wrong with you. If you go to church, you believe in God, then... Hold on, America. In America, you go to church, you believe in God, you remain pure, you decide you want to be a virgin, all that, you know, all, all of a sudden, 
what's wrong with you? You're uneducated. And there's an attack against the people of God. Love to destroy the innocent minds of young people. How many know it's true? Come on, you got to wake up. If you can't see, you got to wake up. There's an attack. The Bible warns us of, of that perilous times and, and, and goes down the line. And listen, he told Timothy about it. But what I've come to tell you today is when you start realizing that God, I've got the ear of God. It's this wicked Haman. Let me just word it this way. I'm tired of the devil fighting my family. The Bible says the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It means it does much good. And when you get before God and you're desperate, God, I don't want this in my life. I don't want this in my church. I don't want to see this in my family. I don't want this to happen to my parents. I I bind every devil in the name of Jesus. Oh, the gates of hell will not prevail. Oh, the gates of hell will not prevail. You know what that means? That means I have the authority to walk in the devil's territory and say, no longer. You can't have them. You can't have this. I've got power over you. That's what that means. I don't have to be scared of the devil. Listen, I've grown up in this. People, people not wanting to fast because they're afraid of spiritual attack. I've grown up in this. People not want to do prayer meetings because they're going to be spiritual attack. I'm afraid the devil's going to attack me. Listen, that's not the way to think. Quit thinking about being scared of the devil and start thinking the devil's scared of you. When I get out of the bed in the morning, he starts trembling. When my feet hit the floor, he starts trembling. Oh my goodness, he's awake. Oh my goodness, he's getting ready to pray. Oh my goodness, they're having another revival. That's the way this works. He got some power, but we've got much more power. We've got the backing of God. We've got the back. Brother Gio, I wonder what you would do if you thought when you showed up into an showed up into a revival, showed up into a city, showed up into a ministry, showed up into something, and you believe God would back you up. See, we have spiritual parallels. Are you okay? We have spiritual parallels. David is fighting against Goliath. He's bigger than the common man, but he's not bigger than God. He's nine foot tall. He's a champion among the Philistines. That's sort of like a, it's a parallel of spiritual battles. You're going to have things that are bigger than you, stronger than you. Physically and in the temporal. But he said, David looks out with a different perspective. He's got the eyes of faith. Walk by faith and not by looking at giants. Walk by faith and not by sight. And here he is screaming, send me a man to fight. David runs down there, he said, he starts laughing. He starts laughing. He starts laughing. Am I a dog? You sent a boy out to fight? You don't know who he is. You don't know who David is. He's not just a boy. He's anointed of God. He's been called out by the prophet to be the king of Israel. I I realize, oh, he's got a slingshot. Don't judge him by what you see. You better open your eyes and see what you can't see. And there's something with him that's way bigger than you. 
I don't know why I feel this tonight, but I come to tell you, he's bigger than the cancerous tumor in your body. He's bigger than the chaos that you're going through. God is bigger, God is bigger, God is bigger. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. I want somebody to shout with me, God is able. God is able. And that's the progression of faith. David had this. David had something I'm preaching about tonight. It's called dominion. When a lion came and grabbed a sheep, he killed the lion. When a lion, when a bear came and grabbed the sheep, he killed the bear. Lion 25 times stronger than a man. But what happened to David? He had dominion. He had authority over every adversary. I'm preaching to some people in this room right now that you've got adversaries. You've got some trouble. Samson was stronger than the lion and reached inside the lion in the carcass and ate honey later and it gave him strength. It's not that you're not going to have battles. You just can't cower to them. The only battle you'll ever lose is the one you do not engage in. Well, I'm going to run. I'm going to run. I, this is bigger than me. Don't quit, 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 quit. Half the kingdom's yours. You're one prayer meeting away from a victory. I'm going to take it further. You're one prophecy away from victory. Well, I'm afraid I'm going to prophesy wrong. You can't prophesy scripture and prophesy wrong. The Bible says it's the prophecy of the scripture. God said he's going to back me up, so God will back me up. I feel this right now. He looks at, he looks at, he looks, come here, David. He, he looks at Goliath and he says, you come to me. He told him, he said, I'm going to cut you up, feed the fowl there and the beast of the field. I mean, he's given him all he's got. And David looks up and all David see, he said, all you've got is a sword, a shield, and a spear. Now on a normal day, the Bible says a sword, was it a sword or a spear the size of a weaver's beam? I don't know how, that, how long that is, but I imagine it's something like that. I imagine it's big. His armor was heavy. It describes what he looks like. Somewhere in your life, you got to start seeing the way David sees. And it's called dominion. You come to me with a sword, a spear, and a shield. He said, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts. It's plural. The word host means an army that's immeasurable. And this is what he was saying. What's with me, you cannot measure. You cannot weigh and you cannot, your sword's only 10 feet long. It's big. You're all, it's, it's like this. You're only, you're only nine and a half feet tall. Is that all you got? Come on. Come on, I'm talking about thinking different tonight. I'm talking about being different tonight. You know what he did? David grabbed that slingshot. And he ran all the way to him. When he released it, it hit him. And the only place that could strike him was the only opening on his armor was between his eyes. And when I, what I believe is it wasn't the strength of David's arm that flung that stone that hit him there. I believe when David stepped forward and forward of faith released that, God's arm grabbed that stone and said, because I'm not doing this by myself. I'm not in this by myself. 
Come on. Somebody say amen. You know what Haman did? Let me go back to Haman. You know what Haman, Haman did? We said it's that Haman. He fell down on her bed and started begging her. Now the tables have turned. He's going to kill all the Jews, but the tables have turned. He's going to destroy Mordecai, but the tables have turned. And, and the king said, what are you going to do? What, what, what are you trying to do now? He said, take him out here and hang him on the gallows that he built for Mordecai. And then Esther said, that's my dad. Will you bring him here to this palace? Because he's not the only one going to be blessed. Get him here. They hung, they hung Haman. They hung 10 of his sons. 500 people were killed at Shushan that were trying to type because it was that close to the date that the law that was stamped by the king's signet that was on Haman's hand was going to be in effect. And, and he comes in there and he says, he says, Esther, this is what's happened. 500 been dead. Haman's dead. Ten sons are dead. What else do you want me to do? It was no longer Esther going to him. It's the king coming to her. And that is what we call dominion. Because spiritual dominion is no longer getting on your knees begging God. It's a place of confidence and trust that God trusts who you are. He trusts your righteousness with God. He trusts your disciplines. He trusts your intent. That God comes to you and says, what would you like me to do? I know it's different thinking, but that's why some people don't have dominion. There is a place in God that what you ask Him to do, He will do it. Not as your servant, but as your king. I need this in my marriage. I need this in my kids. I need this in my city. I need this in my body. I need this. And the Bible says, I'll prove it to you. Already, I'm going to give you two things and prove it to you. Joshua is in a battle. Joshua's in the battle. He needs more time to finish the battle. And he stops in the middle of the battle that the Lord is backing him. And he stops and he said, I command the sun to be still. And when he does, the Bible says there was a never a day like that day that God hearkened to the voice of a man. They have proven it. There's been studies that prove about the lost time in the calendar was that moment when he commanded the sun to be still. And the entire universe stops on dime to let one man who had an intent to see victory in his nation and God granted to him victory in his nation. I come to tell you, you can have dominion tonight. You don't have to walk out of here in fear. You don't have to walk out of here in insecurity. You can walk out of here in victory. Come on, jump to your feet, clap your hands and say, I am victorious. I am victorious. I am victorious. Woo! Somebody shout dominion. dominion. Matthew 16. They can help me. Can you give me Matthew 16 and 18 up here, Sister Tori? Watch this. Look at your neighbor and say, God wants to give you dominion. I don't walk out here and say, Pastor said you can boss God around. That's not what all I said. I'm smarter than that. But I'm saying, it's when you're not going to him, he's coming to you. And he says, anything else you want me to do? Half the kingdom belongs to you. I tell you, there's power in that. You can live such a life. People go around, they say, oh, I've been praying for God to give me favor. Don't ask for favor. Live a life that grants favor. I've been praying for favor. You don't have to pray for favor. Just live a life that grant that he wants to give favor to. She sought to please the king. She was an obedient person, the Bible says. He said this to Simon Peter. 
And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter. What that word means? A small pebble. Just small. Here's small. And upon this massive rock, massive stone, I will build my church. And what? Somebody shout, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. When you realize I'm small, but my revelation of him is big. What was the revelation? Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. He said, flesh and blood have not revealed it unto thee, but my father which is in heaven. What was he saying? When you have a revelation of God, it doesn't matter how small you are. You're big to him. It doesn't matter how limited you are. You're big to him. And he said, your revelation of him. When you know who you are in him, the gates of hell cannot prevail. You got more power in your, 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 your pinky fingernail than the devil has in his whole kingdom. More power. Somebody shout, power! The Bible says you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Look what it says. I'm going to prove it to you, my point tonight in this teaching. Look at verse 19. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom. The keys of the kingdom. God's going to give me the keys to his kingdom. You know what that means? I got access to every door. Treasure room. Military. I've got, I got the keys to the kingdom. Watch what he says. You ready? Read it with me. And whatsoever thou shalt on earth shall be and whatsoever thou shalt shall be there is a place in God that he trusts you with the keys. That whatever you bind, he binds. Whatever you loose, he looses. Because he comes to you and says, what do you see the need of? He trusts your intent. He trusts your heart. He says, ask me and I'll do it. Here it is. What do you want me to do? What's in this room tonight that you'd like God to do? You have the power tonight to turn it around. I... I don't know if I hit the clock or y'all just hesitant or your bellies are growling. I don't know, but it, I'm telling you tonight, there's power. Somebody right now in this room through the revelation of what I preached can say, enough is enough. No longer, Haman, can you have my kids and my grandkids. No longer can you have this situation. I curse you. I command you. I command in the name of Jesus. Somebody shout in Jesus' name. Jesus. The Bible says that he brought Mordecai instead. Come here, Mordecai. Right up here, Brother Gio. Take your ring off. Can you get your ring off? And he takes the signet ring that was on Haman's hand. And he puts it on Mordecai's head, hand. And he takes the crown and puts it on his head. And he says, whatever you say to do, that's exactly what we're going to do. He said, here's what we're going to do. Been waiting on this moment. Reverse the authority from the Babylonians to the Jews. Let the Jews defend themselves and have the authority that was given to the Babylonians. 
And the Bible says that's exactly what happened. And then the chapter that I read to you tonight, chapter 9 says, Now in the twelfth month, that is the month of Adar, on the thirteenth day of the same, when the king's commandment and his decree drew near to be put into execution, in the day that the enemies of the Jews hoped to have power over them. What does it say in parentheses? Though it was turned to the contrary. That the Jews had rule over them that hated them. My goodness. God's going to turn it around. Praise God. I said the Lord's going to turn it around. The devil's had his day, but you give me a people that'll go before the throne of God, God's going to grant their petition. God's going to, get, God's going to turn it around. You get the authority. You can bind. You can loose. You can... I wish somebody right now would start praying all over this building in the name of Jesus. I declare victory. In the name of Jesus, we declare victory. Hallelujah. 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 In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Woo. Blinded eyes will open. The deaf ear will be unstopped. Tumors will disappear. Cancers removed. Bitterness washed away. Hatred and offenses. Despair, doubt, and unbelief are going to be removed in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. It's dominion. Esther, you have dominion. Church, you've got dominion. Pray like it. If you feel like there's a call of God on your life, raise your hand. If you feel like you had a call of God, but you didn't really know if you had dominion or not, raise your hand. How many believe God can give you dominion? We as a church can take authority. Y'all believe this is true tonight? I watched my dad one time, getting ready to be a rain. He put $15,000 worth of stucco on the stucco it, that you put on the styrofoam, big thick piece of styrofoam put on the side of the building in Glen Ferris. I just preached there Sunday night. Thanks for allowing me to go. Put stucco all over that building. And they came in and said, oh, pastor, there is a terrible rainstorm that's coming across the mountain. He knew the type of rainstorm, it was going to wash that stucco away. But my dad was a man of prayer. He went down to the ladies were cooking something in the basement. Sister Ross, he went downstairs and he said, we got to pray. If that rain hits this building, $15,000 worth of stucco is going to be destroyed. Those ladies started praying. My dad walked outside and when he did, he looked up at that dark clouds that moved in. When it came across the mountain, got, a, got above the building, the clouds parted into a perfect circle. And the circle stayed over the building as the clouds went around it. It rained all around the parking lot of the church, but not one raindrop touched that building. Because there's power in prayer. There's power in prayer. Lift your hands and say, I believe God. God can remove the storm. I believe God can turn this situation around.
I'm going to start a prayer meeting with God. I'm about to go to the royal palace. I'm about to go into the royal throne room with the king. Hallelujah. God's going to give you great dominion. Have more peace than you've ever had. You're going to have more authority than you've ever had. I can tell you stories all night. You believe what I'm preaching is true? It's almost 8 o'clock. Billy Cole preaching over and overseas was out in the jungle. Didn't have the transportation to get him across that water. Didn't have it. Couldn't get across that water. He grabbed his coat. He said, if you could do it for the prophet Elijah and Elisha, you could do it for me. And he smote that water when he did. It parted and he walked across on dry ground. I grew up with Brother Cole. Because elements are submitted to the voice of the Creator. And God will hearken to the voice of a man. The Bible says just don't pray, but you've got to come praying faith believing. Some of you have been like this too long. Now it's time to walk in confidence. The Bible says cast not away therefore your confidence. I can tell you story after story after story. I won't. I'm done. But I feel like there's some people who need to step into that next level of faith. You've been afraid of God. Keep that in your foundation. Don't ever get away from that. But you walk in, I've got a calling. There, if, if I don't pray, something's not going to happen. My family's going to be changed. I'm going to pray. Then I'm going to step into a place where God can trust me with the meaning. I'm going to pray prayers that are going to change the world that I live in. Do you believe that could happen? I want everybody in this room to begin to respond to the, to the word of the Lord tonight. Three-week series. I want you to respond to right now. Hallelujah. Come on, all over the building, I want you to respond. Go ahead, Brother Kevin. You can see a difference in, in your siblings and your family. I curse that spirit of addiction in my family. I bind Haman's plan. I bind any influence of any spirit, any demonic spirit, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. I take authority over this city. I take authority over my family. I take authority over this in the name of Jesus. Lord, your name is the signet ring of my prayer. In Jesus' name, we take authority. Hallelujah. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.